I was at the documentary department and my work in the end was not that documentary anymore. It was somewhere between fiction and documentary. Um, so when I came out of the academy, I thought like, okay, I'm really shit at this and now I have an education in this. So what am I gonna do? Hi everybody, welcome to the show. This is Blissfully Aware, a podcast about rooting into purpose and exploring your creative process. Amiwana Friedman. Imagine you're a 12 year old kid and you're going to an amusement park with your dad. He hands you over a tiny plastic disposable camera. It's the first time you've held such a thing. You'd never put a camera to your eyes before. And all of a sudden, everything looks new. Trees, flowers, your friends, when you start posing them in front of all these things that you're finding beautiful. You're not there for the rides. Those don't matter. This is how Melissa Schick started photographing. She was really, really young, and we're going to sit with her today and fast forward to the time she studied photojournalism in college and how she came to find out that it wasn't for her. What do you do when you realize you've spent a bunch of years investing in a path that no longer feels right for you? Let's see how she moves through that fork in the road. Here we go. Hey, Melissa, thanks for taking the time to hang out today. <laughs> Exciting. Let's jump right in. What did it feel like to shoot when you started? I've always been super curious about the world around me. My biggest dream when I was younger was that everybody would be gone from the world and I was the only one. So I could go into all the houses and see how everybody's house looks like. And I wanted to look in all the little cupboards. I was so nosy. And with photography, I went to the most crazy places to really document the situation. I just wanted to be part of something for a little while and then step away again. What did you photograph? I've been to the circus, I went to a food bank and I was there for months photographing the situation and that was really for me the starting point of my photography. Yeah, it sounds like you organically followed your curiosity. How did you deliberately start training as a photojournalist? I went to the Royal Academy of Art in the Netherlands and I did five years of photography there, documentary photography. And when I came in, I was really like a journalist. It was my dream to be a war photographer, actually. I don't think I would ever dare to go to war, but the whole situation really attracted me. So I came into the school as really a journalist and very much documenting situations. But I had a lot of struggle with finding my voice. I was only documenting and finding compositions. I did it quite well, but I never felt like I could express myself. I was not really making something and I really felt the urge to make. The first years of the Art Academy, I copied teachers because I couldn't find my own voice. So I copied what the teachers did. And my fourth year, I thought, I'm just gonna do 
things that maybe nobody will understand, but I just feel like I should make things myself. I don't really, I'm not interested in reality anymore. And because I wasn't interested in that anymore, I tried to make my own reality. What a jump. Can we zoom in on that a little bit and describe what it was like? For me, I felt like as a photojournalist, you really have to be in a situation and you're always on, trying to find the moment. And when I started creating situations, I still felt like that journalist. So even though I made a situation myself, I still, to this day, try not to pose people a lot. I try to make them do something and then I approach it as a journalist. So I ran towards them. I tried to capture the sites that I want. I learned from journalism not to be a static photographer. And that really helped me in the beginning and to this day to create something that is really mine. Energy, things happening, bodies, movement. So I learned a lot from it, but it was a big jump. I still don't know how I feel about it, actually, <laughs> because it was quite recent. That's so great. You're in it. You're figuring it out as you're going. That's what it's all about. So let's talk about that transition a little bit more. You started pushing and testing new ways to do it in your own voice. What was that like? I started collaborating with a dancer. I never met her before, but we went to the streets. And because she was already a creative soul, I just asked her, like, can you do something there? She started doing things like hanging over a pole, dancing with a bike, crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And then something clicked in me and I thought like, okay, I don't have to follow her. We can work together. And because she was a dancer, she was so comfortable with everything that I asked her. A new world opened up to me and that's where it all started. The idea that I could create something myself instead of only documenting it. In journalism, you don't do that. You're trying to capture the moment as it is. Yeah. Why are you drawn to photographing dancers? They look real. If I photograph a model, sometimes they're very much busy with looking beautiful. And I don't think people in my photographs always look beautiful. And I'm not looking for them to be beautiful, but I'm just more looking for like an emotion that, that you can feel from a body. And dancers are experts on that. Mm -hmm, totally. What's been a challenge for you in photographing dancers? It was quite a struggle at the beginning to not make dance photos. So you have to be in between dance photography and documentary photography, conceptual photography. I don't want people to look at my photographs and think, oh, that's a dancer. I have to find out a way to work with dancers without them being dancers. And what did you figure out? Setting is very important. I photograph a lot on the streets. Also not the theatrical dramatic movements or the really cliche dance movements. I never use it. Mm -hmm. And most of the times when I ask them to do something, I first do it myself. But they sort of sculpt the movement into something that is very much more emotion into it than if I would do it. So I think a lot comes from me and then they sculpt it to the end result. <laughs> That's so cool. I'm, I'm pausing because I'm a pauser, but I'm imagining <laughs> running into you on the street and watching you shoot. And I would have never thought that you take the time to model out or get in the position physically and then pass it on to your subject. That's so smart. Yeah, I think also because when I started photographing the cities and choreography, I first started on doing street performances myself. 
that I filmed to see the reaction of the people that pass by. But also because I thought, how can I ask other people to do something that I have never done before? I find it very important to be in the position of the model, of the dancer, of the person I have photographed, because it feels a bit more humble. Otherwise, I feel more like, you do this, I'm the director, but I really want to work together and I want to know how they feel. And yeah, I just really want to have that collaboration. I think it's quite important because as a photographer, you have quite... There's quite a hierarchy, and I don't want that. I want to be on the same level. And how did this hierarchical dynamic that you felt affect your relationship with journalism? If you think about journalism and very like hardcore documentary photography, I always felt uneasy that I felt that I had a higher position in the hierarchy capturing these people and I could make them look however I wanted to. I could photograph them on a sad moment and the world would think that they were very sad. And I felt such a burden by that, like I felt dishonest. And that's also why I really deliberately stopped doing that kind of photography because I didn't feel at ease with the position that I was in. Some people may be very good at it or don't have that problem or approach it a different way. It's also very important to think about that as a photographer because you do have responsibilities. You bring up a really interesting point because now I'm thinking if we do all come to something and see it through our own prism and that's all we capture, then if you have a variety of prisms and that's where diversity comes in, if there are many, many Mm -hmm. different points of view looking at the same situation, then out of that chaos, you can get clarity because it's not just this like single minded viewpoint. So you have this really rich photojournalistic training and sensibility So much of what you shoot is about choreographing and studying people interacting in urban places. How are you thinking about your creative process right now? I think like all artists at this moment, it's difficult to approach your work like you're used to. So you have to change it a bit or you have to completely change it even. I do think it's very important time right now to make work because we are in a historic moment. But it's difficult because normally I indeed study multiple people or two people connecting with each other. And I can't do that now because that connection is gone or at least the physical connection is gone. I'm more at the moment that I'm just photographing things like a child. Everything that I find interesting, every form that I find in my house, I'm photographing it, which is quite interesting because normally I overthink everything. I sometimes forget to just openly look at the world and photograph whatever. It doesn't have to be anything. Maybe it will only mean something to me or other people in 10 years or 20 years. And how do you get started? If you are analyzing too much, write it down. Write it down. Get it out of your head. I do that by making things, but maybe it also helps if you write it down and When you make work, you just have to start, whatever. If it's writing, if it's making little Polaroids, or if it's just wandering around, observing. But I also have to say, and it sounds very negatively maybe, but I'm more a doer than a thinker. If I think too much, I overthink everything. And 
I make the most horrible things <laughs> if I do that. I have a very small thing in mind, maybe only a sentence or a word, and I just start doing, doing, making. And maybe that saves me a little bit right now from feeling very bad or feeling very um, confused. I find it so fascinating how creative and adaptable we can be under new constraints. What are you making these days? I'm making little Polaroid pictures, which I like because I normally work analog, but I can't see them then. And now with the little Polaroids, I can. I also have like a big stack of photographs that I have already printed years ago, and I'm repainting them. Just really studying the forms that are on my photographs and then trying to capture that with paint again. I'm not a painter, but right now I really wanted to paint, so why not? I am making pieces of clothes, trying to capture the silhouette of two people with the needle. I'm making clothes that are only fitted for two people. And when this is all over, I'm going to photograph it. But I'm trying to see how, for example, two shirts, how it could fit two people. So how I can make one person of two people with clothing. I'm looking at that, actually. Making little sketches of it, like two people with the head sewn together and... Maybe it has to do with the longing for other people right now, longing for a social and a physical connection. But it really feels very nice to work on something physically and that it is created in your hands right now. With a photograph, you always have to wait, or at least with analog photography. Everything around me feels so now, feels so present. I also want to do things that are immediately visible fashion, painting, even though I'm not very good at it, I'm just starting with it. So I can see whatever happens. And if it's nothing, I'm okay with that too. That's amazing. What's your definition of being good at something? <laughs> I think I'm good at it if I can fully express myself through that medium. And I can't right now with paint because I'm just not skilled enough or I can't reach what I want. But I have to keep trying it if I want to ever do that. And with photography, I can really express what I want to express. And I feel like I'm skilled at it or good at it. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you're opening up new channels and they're not fully, like you can't fully see the light at the end of that tunnel yet. Yeah, it feels a bit like that. <laughs> if I would think too much right now about my work and about the series I was working on, I would go crazy. So I really had to find a different way of working because everything changed. Everything is standing still. So how can you still be an artist if that happens? And I'm so interested in what everybody is making. I know people are making the most beautiful things right now. I'm so curious. <laughs> yeah. How do you learn to adapt? I do think that goes back to journalism because you have to be adaptable to photograph it's not about you, it's about the world. And you're in different situations, you don't know where you're going, and you don't know what's gonna happen. I do think I learned it in those years. Everything you're thinking right now is almost unique because we've never been in this situation before. Mm -hmm. What else is going through your mind? I feel like I'm almost obsessed with the objects in my house. I see oranges, I see a panty, I put the oranges in the pantyhose, I mean. <laughs> I'm photographing it, I'm looking at forms, the flowers are dead, I'm amazed by it. 
I wait four days and then I make a construction with it. So it's almost very primitive, like how I would use photography when I was very young. I would look at, oh, those flowers are beautiful. I'm going to photograph it. Oh, the woods are so beautiful. I'm photographing it. When I went to art school, I learned how to work conceptually, but you also lose a bit of that primitive approach. And I feel like it's coming back because of all the constraints right now. I love that. It's back to the core of things. I'm just making, when I'm going to sleep, I have pictures of it in my mind. And um, when I'm under the shower, I have pictures in my mind and I draw them. Whenever I have made it, I'm going to think about it, reflect on it, try to understand what it really means, but not while making it. Oh my God, I want to be better at that. (laughs) It's so powerful to have a visceral image in your head and be able to translate it into tangible form. And I think it can feel so scary to do that for your own baby. It is, yes. Are there parts of this thing, of your creative process, that feel more vulnerable than others? Yeah, I I never thought about it that way. Really? <laughs> I always also think like, is my work personal enough? I know a lot of people, or at least when I went to the academy, a lot of people make work about themselves. And I tend not to do that. It never feels like it's really about me or my life because I'm not photographing my own life or I'm not photographing my boyfriend. I'm most of the times photographing strangers. So sometimes I, I wonder if it's personal enough for an audience to have a connection with the work. Let's think about that for a second, because that's that's an interesting thing, right? Building intimacy with an audience, with your people. How do you gauge that? Well, I have to tell you a bit of a story about my art academy. I never really felt like they understood me and never really got a praise for my work. I always thought I was quite bad. It was quite bad for my the trust I have in myself. I was at the documentary department and my work in the end was not that documentary anymore. It was somewhere between fiction and documentary. Um, So when I came out of the academy, I thought like, okay, I'm really shit at this. And now I have an education in this. So what am I going to do? And here's a turning point. Imagine you've spent the better part of five years investing in one path And now you're staring down this road, realizing wholeheartedly that it's not for you. This was Melissa's situation. Let's see what she decides to do. And from that moment on, I thought like, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm going to make the weirdest things. I'm going to make the craziest things. Nobody's going to understand it. But at least I'm happy. So I started really making whatever I wanted no thoughts about it, not feeling bad anymore. And only then people saw my work, or at least I got messages from people that saw something in my work that I never really meant that way, but they could see it. And I thought that was so beautiful that it could mean something to somebody. And only through Instagram the last year, I really got quite a lot of people (laughs) that, that follow me and give positive reactions to my work. And I think that really helped me with regaining that trust in myself. It's pretty amazing to see how you're coming to terms with the fact that what you studied wasn't going to serve you and how you planned. But also 
how even though you're doing a new type of creative work now, your base in journalism is informing it and you're applying it in new ways. It's pretty cool continuity. Yeah, I quite like the idea that work cannot be really be put in a box. I'm really a big fan of uh, Vivian Sasse, for instance, who I think is an amazing photographer in every aspect of her work, the documentary side, but also the fashion side. And I really admire it in artists and photographers if they can work in different aspects of the spectrum. I never really felt comfortable with only being a documentary photographer or only being a fashion photographer. So I also can't really put myself into a box if somebody would ask. But I also don't really care about it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) And I think in the end, you can see in which box you fit for certain people by the people who approach you. So if brands are approaching you, well, maybe you have a fashion aspect to your work. And if you are asked by a newspaper, maybe you have a documentary aspect. Great. I really approach it like that. The people who approach me, I think, okay, well, my work spoke to them and they are now part of my audience. Absolutely. Do you want to talk a little bit more about how art and commerce mix for you? I'm quite at the beginning of my career. I've noticed that some people may think that I'm a bit further than I am because I got requests for internships and people would ask me to donate works to graduation exhibitions. And I do find it very humbling if somebody asks me those things. But I think also Instagram can sometimes give a strange perspective. Um, You look at somebody's Instagram or website and you think like, oh, they are at that point of their career. But I still myself feel like the I'm really at the beginning and the things that I really want like an agency and a gallery I really don't have that yet what kind of commissions would you be interested in I would really like to make my work the city's choreography which is really about choreography on the street urban bodies for a very high fashion brand I think that would be a super interesting clash I'm also interested in activewear because I photograph quite energetic. But what I also would love to do is go really on to my journalistic roots to have more journalistic assignment, but then approach it in completely the way I photograph. So it would be quite an interesting connection. And there are agencies that I'm interested in. It would be a great way to work more on commercial assignments. They need your talent and your vision as much as you need them for interesting projects. So in an ideal world, it's this beautiful symbiotic relationship. Yeah, I do really wonder how other photographers or artists deal with this part of the work. You're in the beginning of your career, you're walking on on the right path. It feels like sort of an in-between moment because you don't get a lot of recognition yet, but you feel like your work is really building towards a good oeuvre. How do you deal with setting that next step? I sometimes feel like I'm trying to climb a wall. I'm never reaching the top. I think it's a difficult place in your career, this point where I am right now, because you really have to try to make the next step, whatever it is, maybe it's agency or it's starting a new big project, applying for a fund, a residency, whatever. I think it's, it's a difficult 
time, but also exciting because you're, you are not limited. You are completely free. So I'm always a bit in between those two things, like freedom and the next step in my career. And I don't have the answers. <laughs> there are no perfect answers, by the way. <laughs> Uh, but what I will say is from where I'm sitting I see you being really great at shaping a vision of your work it's so clear and crisp and like you have your stamp I can identify your piece anywhere and to me that signals a really keen ability on your part to have clarity of an idea and what you want so if we were to take that from the making of stuff and place it into steps forward in the arc of your career business-wise, I would approach it the same way. Like, what does Melissa, the human being, want to say in your career? And who out there as an agent or as a book publisher, whatever, is thinking along the same lines, right? That way you can support each other in your vision because there's gonna be several that are kind of in your orbit already. I think that's something that as a young maker, you forget that it's a collaboration. You always feel like you are going somewhere with your portfolio begging for the attention. But in the end, it's of course two-sided. It's not only me approaching them, but also they are getting to know a new person, new talent. And it, I don't think it has to be this formal presentation. I think it could be as simple as reaching out to them on social media or email and being like, hey, dude, I saw the campaign that you just did. And it's awesome. That's it. You know, just yeah. opening up that line of communication, like you would with a friend. I can imagine that they have hundreds of emails from different photographers. So I always think about how can I approach it in the first contact, show myself or the way I think. Send them something instead of emailing them or you send them a little movie about your work. So that it's not only the email like, hi, uh, love your agency. <laughs> yeah, you also have to think about them and what they would like to see and then try to find the point where it all comes together. I also try to invest a lot about people that are a bit in the same career path, age range, because even though they are right now not at the level that we could work together, they may be in the future. And I like to already build a connection with them now and a strong relationship. I do try to also keep it small and more like, okay, I love your work. Can we meet for coffee? Can we just talk? You never know what's going to happen, but it's already a good way to share inspiration. Yeah. And support, right? Yeah. That, also that. There's nothing like being able to share your process with somebody who's in the creative business. Yeah. And I think not a lot of people talk about the difficult part of being an artist or being in the artistic business. It's very good to say something about it right now, because I often feel like it's a bit hidden away. I think about artists who are already in the point of their career that everybody knows them, they're getting a lot of jobs. Always wonder how did you get there and what were the struggles and what did you have to do or what didn't you do and how did you get to that point? And I never really get an answer to that. Everybody's a bit secretive about it. And I wonder why, because everybody goes through sort of the same process. I'm on a mission to demystify the creative process 
and just make it more accessible. Where have you looked for answers? I look a lot at interviews with those artists that I admire, see how they responded there. But I haven't really found the answers like how did your career go and how did you come to this point? Often there's a black space where those answers would be. And of course, there's no formula out there that fits everybody. But what are some of the tensions that you're feeling that you would like to hear other artists talk about and give you a little bit more context about? A big problem for a lot of artists is money, of course. Where do you get money in the beginning of your career? We know you can have a side job, but if you didn't, how did you do that? A lot of artists would benefit from having answers to that or inspiration from that or only support because even maybe that big artist says like, yeah, I worked uh, in a bar until like five years ago and it can offer some sort of support or relief. Also, how did you get in contact with a curator or how did you get in contact with that gallery or that museum and how did they buy your work? And I don't have the answers to that, but if I ever come to that point in my career, I will definitely try to tell other artists, young artists, how I did it and support them. Because I think a lot of people now just don't make it because of they feel like there's no way out of this, that they don't have money or they don't have jobs. And I'm not really a fan of competitiveness in the art world. I experienced that quite a lot in the art academy. Of course you get competitive because you're all striving for the same goal and you're all trying to make great work. I really try not to feel competitiveness with other photographers or other artists. I can ask that person to drink a coffee, maybe we can learn from each other. And that's sort of the approach that I want to have with photography and art. And I hope that will open up more in the art world because I don't think we're all fighting against each other, but we're making something together. How do you see that? Everybody is unique. It doesn't matter what your subject is, but you making the work about that subject will make it unique. So also if somebody takes exactly the same subject, it doesn't matter because you are you and you are making whatever you are making. I really believe there is room for everybody and everybody has a different perspective and we can learn so much from each other and really just be kind. It really works. Don't be rude and don't put yourself above somebody if you're maybe a bit further in your career. I think it works in every aspect of life, but I really try to take that with me everywhere I go. You don't have to be mean or competitive because people will see through that and people don't like it if you judge other people or if you don't think other person deserves something because you want it yourself. People feel negativity from you and will react on that reflecting on all the times that maybe I was a little unkind in my life. It's because I was so unsure of myself. I was so worried about my position in the conversation or in my role, whatever the hell was going on, or my family, whatever was going on. And I really think that's rooted in coming to life from a place of scarcity Like there isn't enough to go around for everybody. So a lot of the practice that I try to do with a daring and with myself is 
converting that anxiety into being able to come to life, creative life, personal life from a place of there's plenty. There's plenty of love and affection and attention to go around because we don't need it from everybody. We need it from a handful of people that we feel an affinity with. And so all this goes a long way to creating a nurturing space where creatives and partners can mutually support each other. And man, what a time for reflection and reckoning are we living through right now. I think also this time right now is a time to rethink everything. I also want to say here that I can totally imagine that you cannot make something right now, that you don't feel well to make something or that you are in a bad spot in your mind. It's also okay if you can't do that. Be yourself and also give yourself time. Maybe you think like, this is for me time to think about everything I have done and I'm not going to do anything right now. That's also fine. So don't feel pushed. Take the time to step back. As an artist, you don't have to make all your work today. Things you are thinking about the next couple months will in 10 years be your life work. But if you didn't take the time right now, it would have never happened in 10 years. <laughs> Absolutely. So how can people support artists right now? What's the best thing to do? I'm not short on money right now, so I try to indeed like buy a print or do something, you know, for other artists. Uh, buy something small if you can afford it. Just help them through these times. And if you have a ticket for a concert, don't try to get a refund if you can miss the money, but just leave it or get like a voucher. I tr really try to deliberately do those things, especially for other artists. Speaking of supporting each other, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram and on my website of course but I'm really available on my Instagram Melissa Schriek so it's just my full name you can always ask me questions on Instagram I really like to meet other people around in that way especially in these times okay right on we'll put all this in the show notes so everybody you can check it out there Melissa thank you so much for coming on it was a pleasure to talk to you thank you for inviting me Thank you so much for listening. Blissfully Aware is produced by The Daring, a creative consultancy and transformation partner to purposeful entrepreneurs and organizations. Our theme music is by Ben Tyree. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review so that other people in our cohort might find it. And I'll see you back here in two weeks. Have a great day, everybody.